month of October is the International Domestic Violence Awareness Month. How do you guys access funding? Where does the funding come from? In BC, there are over a thousand physical or sexual assaults against women mm -hmm. every week. And these are just the ones who choose to come forward. Sarah Gouda and Jim Cech from the Now Media Group ask questions, explore topics, and shine a light on the conversations that matter. So we're here today with Brittany Stober of Now Canada Society, and we're going to talk about how COVID-19 has exasperated high levels of violence in women. So first of all, Brittany, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jim and Sarah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Now Canada and what you do there? Yeah, of course. Um, now Canada is a charity in Kelowna that works with vulnerable, exploited and homeless women uh, and their children. Uh, we offer a wide variety of services, uh, different levels of income assisted housing, uh, an emergency shelter, a variety of therapies uh, and other programs and services. I love you. I mean, Sarah has an article there that we kind of like, kind of like, I guess, got the idea to do this podcast from talking about COVID and how COVID has kind of really um, increased the level of abuse, emotional and physical abuse for yeah. women. Can you kind of just touch on that? Yeah. So even before COVID, it was uh, very high. Um, but yeah, the latest reports are saying that uh, at least 50% of women are uh claim to have experienced some level of abuse since the age of 16. Um, yeah, obviously this has gone up since COVID. I think it was, I mean, it was still crazy high. I think it was 35 or 40% uh, prior to COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a statistic that's not super comfortable to talk about, um, but I think we as the general public have a, a duty um, to become advocates and learn about why this is happening. 50% seems just like like crazy though. Like it seems like, so yeah. that's one in every two people yeah. out there. Do you, do, you, do you have any, any kind of ideas why COVID has kind of increased that? Is it just because people are kind of like locked in their homes more? Or? Um, there's a uh, pretty wide variety of reasons that COVID has exasperated this. Um, first, obviously being trapped in with your abuser. Um, People are more stressed during COVID, there's finances, and that creates more conflict at home, uh, which has led to some of this. Um, it's also a guess that uh, ability to access resources is diminished during COVID. Like we've been told to isolate, um, to stay home. You don't want to be a burden on the, the healthcare system right now. So women that uh, maybe have a l small level of this and are often accessing resources are no longer accessing those resources. Uh, as readily as they once were. And can you tell us about now Canada's resources? So how many beds do you have? How do you yeah. help these women? Yeah, so we uh, help in quite a few different ways. Uh, first, we have a low barrier shelter with 20 beds. Um, so that's almost always full every night, especially during COVID and then coming into winter as well will be at max capacity. So that's where a woman can just come in any state uh, and have a place to sleep that's safe. It's a woman-only shelter. And then we also have um, so secure housing for women that are fleeing abuse uh, from men that might have resources to be able to find them. Um, yeah, we offer therapy programs uh, and then, yeah, just a lot of housing and uh, confidential places to, to get away and talk about it. 
Statistically speaking, roughly since starting, how many women would you say you have helped rehabilitate? Or? I mean, that's a, a tough, I haven't been at Now Canada that long. We were established in 1998, um, but thousands of women. I mean, I know uh, every year our shelter is full every night, and so we help thousands uh, of bed nights. We give women a thousand bed nights uh, every year, so over over 20 years we've been doing this and uh, now Canada's grown quite a bit since then as well but I honestly I don't know but a lot we are always at max capacity how do you guys access funding like where does the funding come from for what you do um, we primarily run off of uh, different grants um, some local families and local charities um, we get money from BC housing as well uh, the Central Okanagan Foundation United Way uh, but primarily some of those larger foundations uh, is what we've been primarily getting our funding from. So that one stat you've, you've said has gone from 35 to 50% of women, has the funding increased to match that need or, or has the funding kind of stayed the same? It's since COVID, I mean, some people are giving more. There's like some generosity added with COVID, I think we're kind of pulling on people's heartstrings a little bit more. People are aware there's a bigger need, uh, but overall, no, the funding has... What about the government side of it? Do they Are they providing more? I honestly, I'm not. That's not my area of expertise within the organization, but to my knowledge, uh, it's made, uh, remained quite consistent. Um, research shows that victimization rates are much higher among Aboriginal women mm -hmm. than non-Aboriginal can you uh, tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean that's a super complicated, a super complicated uh, issue and statistic right there. Um, a lot of that has to do with uh, systemic problems in our country, obviously, um, like colonization issues and uh, why Aboriginal women are often uh, living in poverty. Um, the abuse rates, though, especially on reserves, there is, and especially during COVID, it is very difficult for them to access uh, the proper uh, resources to escape abuse. Um, yeah, and then COVID just made it so much worse. Like there's, it's a, it's shameful, honestly, uh, how our country is handling uh, that problem right now. And you said that uh, now, Canada, you just finished your uh, awareness month? Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so the month of October is the International Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So we just ran a little campaign where we were asking some local businesses or anyone that uh, feels compelled to help out to give a dollar a day uh, for the month of October. Um, and then on the 21st to wear purple, which is the awareness color for victims of domestic violence. Purple. And I wanted to ask you something. So in BC, there are over a thousand physical or sexual assaults against women mm -hmm. every week, according to these statistics. Yeah. Um, and these are just the ones who choose to come forward. Yeah. So this is another uh, big thing with domestic violence. Uh, it is a hidden crime. Uh, very few people report it. The numbers are much higher than what we're looking at. Um, yeah, it's estimated that as few as 50% report it, and some uh, reports say even less. So it is very much a hidden crime, and a lot more people uh, than you would think are dealing with this at some level in their home.
What kind of ages do you get at the uh, society? Can you tell me like roughly the youngest age to the oldest age of women who have come in? Yeah, um, gosh, we get uh, young girls like children, like ages 12, that kind of range. Um, and then the older end would maybe be like 60s. Um, but the average age, especially people that are dealing with this, um, is 16 through uh, 35, I believe. What more can be done? Like what what can people do? Or the awareness helps, I'm sure. I guess they've got more government funding. And like, I imagine you're maxed out in your beds. Mm-hmm. And the capacity. So what happens to people if they come and you're full? Like where do they go from there? Uh, thankfully, the charities in Kelowna are quite connected, and so we've got other people that we can refer them to that hopefully do have room for them. But there is, on a, a given night, a lot of women sleeping on the streets because we do have a shortage. Um, I mean, there's a housing shortage for every socioeconomic group, I think, pretty much in the Okanagan, and that includes uh, people that are on income assistance uh, greatly. So. I mean, if someone comes, we help as best as we can. But if we are at max capacity, especially during COVID, like we can't really break that rule super easily. We have people we can refer them to and uh, hope that they can find somewhere to stay. I'm going to try and frame this question. Um, is there education for men to understand what is abuse and what isn't abuse? Because is maybe some... Like, I understand the physical side mm-hmm. of it, but some of the, the abuse is emotional abuse. Is there an education program to say what what can help some relationships get better? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a good, a good point. There is, it's not just physical abuse. I mean, you've got financial abuse. Um, like, these are some of the barriers of why women don't seek help is fear that, like, they won't be able to have their kids. They won't have any money because uh, their abuser controls this kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are programs if you go seeking it out, but not uh, to my knowledge. And I can say as someone that's recently gone through schooling, um, it's not something that I was aware of being taught anywhere. And I've got a number of brothers and I can tell you uh, that are younger than me and still in school. And I know none of them are learning this stuff. I mean, you just hope that your parents teach them how to treat people properly. But to my knowledge, there isn't. Uh, much education in that way. Because I would think if it's the emotional side, some of that might help mm-hmm. and save some of those relationships. And going forward, I'm, I'm sure when it cuts to physical abuse, that's a different story. But um, I just wonder if, if if our system could do a better job of of telling people what a healthy relationship is, as opposed to you know one that becomes abusive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like it's not someone like a, a young boy when he's a kid, he doesn't plan on growing up to hurt the people that he loves. You know, like this is something that society, it's deeply ingrained and they're taught it through a bunch of subliminal small ways uh, growing up. Like no one plans on it. And I think having education in place and systems in place that lower those barriers, just talking about it, even doing things like this, raising awareness, um, like making people become educated on it. Like we have we have a duty to know about this and to learn what the warning signs are and to raise our kids differently. And, uh, I mean, that's, that to me is the way that this is going to change in the future. It's going to start with the next generation doing things differently. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want to 
might get all negative on the educational system, but I, I think there's some gaps in there. One is financial literacy, mm-hmm. maybe relationship literacy on, on how to treat people, how to, you know, I'm not sure if that gap's getting bigger. It seems like it's getting bigger. Um, I, I don't know what to do about it other than education is usually the path forward. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think education is going to be the way that we start changing these stats. And I think the next generation is a little bit more open to hearing that. Like a lot of the people that come and want to volunteer or that I even talk to in conversation, like the open-mindedness amongst younger people, I think there's a difference. I think this next generation is going to have a chance to start changing these stats from 50%. And that's, it's more than that because we know that a lot of people don't report this. Um, is that more to do with like lots of times they feel like shame when they're when they're yeah. when they're going to report it and they think that they may have done something wrong or yeah and, I, and they just don't want to be you know looked at differently. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of reasons. Shame. I mean, it's not a comfortable subject. You don't. There's a yeah the the shame we've got. You've got a reputation kind of thing, and then you also a lot of people don't report it because they're afraid that it's going to increase the abuse. Uh, if they do so people that are trapped in a house uh, with their abuser they often won't because they're afraid that it's going to increase they might lose their children they might lose their money uh, their financial stability and then i i think we have this picture created by the media of kind of there's sort of two people that get abused like those that are in poverty uh, and then the media also shows this like upper class like it's all behind closed doors kind of thing and you sort of fall into one or the other and neither of those are pictures that I think a woman wants to be painted in as either one of those people Uh, when in reality it's anybody can like abuse is not dependent on your socioeconomic status your how many kids you have anything like that Um, I think it's hard for people to want to come forward and be labeled is it a progressive path though too like in a relationship does it progressively get worse is it yeah yeah abuse generally over time gets worse what are some of the warning signs you mentioned there were warning signs earlier so how could we tell yeah so this is something i think you'll see in in friends acting differently if you see mysterious obviously like signs of physical abuse you see mysterious bruising and stuff like that but even in general conversations with your friends when you talk about finances and stuff like that um, both parties should know uh, their financial abilities and when you have a a lack of education uh, for the woman that's often a sign of control Um, I mean there's so many different not being allowed to go somewhere without your their partner's consent I mean, there's there's a ton of signs and a lot of resources uh, where you can learn that. But if you suspect there's something there, just looking at the stats, you're probably right to be suspecting. And I wanted to ask about these women that you help. Do you find that many of them like return to their abusive relationships or do they actually move on and find? Yeah, that's something else that's really interesting uh, about abuse. a lot of women return to their abusers. Um, often it takes three or four times of them leaving before it is successful. 
Um, I think some of that is because most people in an abusive relationship have been in it for a while. It kind of slowly escalates, right? Like nobody, again, gets into a relationship knowing they're going to be abused. Like it's something that you love them and then it it slowly becomes uh, in existence in your life. Um, So you've got deep feelings there and then there's a lot of instability outside of it. So a lot of abuse is related to control um, and that women often don't feel they can do life uh, on their own and they come back and often too they go through these programs and they learn the healthier ways of being and they think gosh I've changed so much here I can go back and I can change the abuser now like we know better we can do more and like it's often also the most dangerous time and the most um, uh, murders that happen related to abuse is right after they leave so there is often a fear of if I don't come back uh, I'm at greater risk there is it's a scary thing to do when you grow when you've spent so much time in one situation to then radically change your life do it on your own uh, when so much of your life has been controlled by someone else for so long what would you say is obviously there's no correct way to do this but mm-hmm. what would you say is the safest way like let's say someone who's afraid to talk who's afraid yeah. to come forward what's the safest way for her to reach out or the safe it depends on your situation obviously there's lots of helplines and stuff if you're uh, living with your abuser but reaching out to organizations like now canada um, we have confidential housing there's other organizations similar to us that um, you'll be safe when you leave and we've got the ability to walk people through it even on the legal end of things um, that honestly reaching out for help just calling uh yeah, some an organization like now um, or the Women's Help Phone, um, they're really prepared to deal with uh, all of the the challenges that come with leaving. Um, can people do like right now to help? Like, what can people do to is that just contribute? Is that the the best thing that most people, the general population, can alone can do? I mean, that is definitely something that helps. Um, all of the organizations and colonies that I know of, like we're operating at full full capacity. This is a big issue, especially uh, during this time. But um, on top of that, just talking about it and trying to get rid of the stigma. Um, it shouldn't be shameful, like to be leaving an abusive relationship and to admit um, that you are in an abusive relationship and need help and normalizing that conversation. Um, and women that are, are willing to tell their stories as well like that, I think is, is another really important way uh, that we can help other than just, I mean, obviously donating is a very tangible and simple way to do it, but just talking about it, making it, these stats no, like normalize, like people should know mm-hmm. 50% of women and girls are going to report some level of violence by the age of 16. Like that should be common knowledge I think that's shocking and when people hear that is normal um, it'll spark change we didn't touch on children I don't think that that much I imagine a lot of the the relationships have children in them Mm -hmm. so is there a place for the children at the same time when they're yeah so uh, most if not all but most at least uh, organizations like now Canada that can help you get out of an abusive relationship we have provision for children we have homes where a woman and her kids can be safe together um, 
obviously that's a huge reason why a lot of women don't leave is fear of losing their children because often they don't control the finances or they've just been lied to to believe that if they leave they won't have their kids and that is uh largely untrue and so most organizations are prepared um, to help a woman walk through that and do, and do a lot of women think that they just have to make the sacrifice for their children like they just have to put up with it so that their kids have a more mm-hmm. traditional life yeah i mean as well you don't they don't want them to lose access to a parent you know so often they hide it from their kids stay with it for their kids so you can have some semblance of unity in a family do you find that these women who grow up in abused homes or end up kind of falling into an abusive relationship? Yeah, I mean, there there is also, uh, I'm not sure the stats on that, but I know there is a correlation um, between women that grew up with abusive uh, parents finding themselves in a similar relationship as well. I mean, it's the patterns that we know what makes you feel safe. Is So much of abuse, obviously, is learned behavior, like people again like aren't born thinking I'm going to do this and I'm going to get into this relationship I'm going to treat someone this way or I'm going to want myself be treated this way like it is something uh we learn at some point while we're growing up and I wanted to ask you about like emotional abuse we've we've Mm -hmm. spoken about physical abuse can you give me how would a woman know that she's in a emotional abusive relationship what if she thinks this is a normal what are the signs yeah, um, for emotional, similar with um, like financial abuse, um, when you have lost agency in a, in a relationship, you don't have the control. If you're made to feel guilty, you're made to feel um, it's my fault, those kind of things. Like if things are being blamed on you that aren't your fault, um, even just having someone raging at you, um, like that's abusive. And that, that is emotional abuse, manipulation. Um, yeah, you should feel at any point in a relationship that you can get into an argument and your voice is going to be heard and you're not afraid and you're not behaving differently because you're afraid of someone else's reaction in the relationship. I'm just uh, grateful for the chance to be able to come on and try to raise some awareness. It's a very important issue right now and quite close to my heart. Thank you so much, Brittany, yeah, for speaking thank you. with us. Thank, thank you very you. much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. That's the end of today's conversation. If you have any topics that you'd like to have featured, please email Sarah Gouda at sgouda at nowmediagroup.ca. That's S-G-O-U-D-A at nowmediagroup.ca.